Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. And for today's issue, we're going to talk about what I refer to as the secret avoda of the second days, or the achronim shel Pesach, the last days of Pesach. Right, so that refers to obviously the Shvi'i shel Pesach, the seventh day of Pesach that everybody celebrates. And for those who are unfortunate enough to be in the Gullus, there is the Shmini Shal Pesach, or the Yom Acharon Shal Pesach, the final eighth day of Pesach. But Ezra HaShem, Mashiach should come, and we shouldn't have to have that eighth day of Pesach. We should have the Binyan Beis HaMikdash. We should all be in our Yisrael together. But, um, you know, we're just preparing for all scenarios. And actually, this whole idea of what we are hoping should be the the end of what we are in now, in terms of living in the Gullus, that has plenty to do with what we're about to talk about tonight. But before we do, I want to first thank our sponsors. We have an anonymous sponsor, Leah Nishmas, Shmuel Menachem, and Ari Leib, and Leah Bas Abraham. They're Nishmas Shaf and Leah. And now we have a second timer um, donation, a sponsorship from Yona and Chani Laster. A nice, beautiful, generous sponsorship um, from both of our um, sponsors, both parties. So thank you so much. And anyone else who wants to sponsor, all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com to make your sponsorship today. It could be taken out of my serve for the purpose of Harbatzas Torah. And let's get to some Harbatzas Torah right now. So what, in fact, is the Avoda of the second days of Pesach? Right, this question, I would say, is particularly pressing as... Am Yisrael appears to have more work cut out for them during the first days of Pesach, perhaps than any other holiday of the year, because of Seder night. <clears throat> and um, there are two annually for those who are living outside Eretz Yisrael. And again, you know, through the first days, having the Haggadah, we have outlined for us an expansive itinerary for the Sedarim. And, you know, again, that, that ancient manual known as the Haggadah um, is something, I guess, which Jews of all ages um, devote hours to each year. We study the Haggadah to carry out the procedure outlined by the Haggadah during the Seder. We spoke about it at length earlier, um, at the end of last week, just before Pesach. We had a Pesach panorama. We even had a Baltzfila workshop devoted to the Seder. Many mitzvahs and many more customs are observed on the nights of Sedarim. And moreover, for every mitzvah and custom, there are countless divrei Torah, which we tend to share on Seder night. Um, again, though, obviously, we said that the focus should be on the Sipur Yes Mitzrayim. But, and, but yeah, and even that, you know, the, the fact that there are many divrei Torah that are shared pertaining specifically to the Seder and the text that is the Haggadah, that's all besides for the fact that there's a larger obligation and goal of the Seder, namely sharing the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim in fulfillment of that mitzvah, which we've spoken about, Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And the problem is, once the Siddharim are over, you know, we kind of reach this point where, I guess, the way I would refer to it, I would refer to it as GPS signal lost. That's because despite all the preparation and toil on the night or nights of the Seder, before we know it, the Sedarim have completely passed us over. No pun intended. Okay, fine, maybe it was intended. But 
at that point each year, it often feels like we've hit this spiritual wall and we're lost for clear protocol moving forward towards the end of an already lengthy holiday and most of which is still ahead of us. Right, because though, though we continue to refrain from eating chametz and we still eat matzah, because it is still chag matzah after all, but we don't have any new unique mitzvos that are designed specifically for the second days of Pesach. So my question is, what what is the goal then at that point? Is it just to continue talking about the Exodus? Are we supposed to just you know keep using? the remainder of Pesach to share all the Divrei Torah on the Gahara, which we have not already shared during the Seder? Because, right, you know, we, we don't have any particular obligation to speak about the Exodus. And we might have plenty more to say on the Haggadah, but we're not reading the Haggadah anymore. So what happens? You spend, you know, you spend your money on your brand new Haggadah, you're studying it, and all of a sudden, you're, two days into Pesach, you don't even need it anymore. So what's going on here? What is the Avodah? What should we be looking forward to at this point? Okay, I think the question is clear. So it could be that this question really does not begin as we enter what everyone refers to as the second days of Yom Tov. And maybe it doesn't even begin on the intermediate days of Chalamoid. And maybe... I want to argue that this question really does not begin immediately at the conclusion of the Seder. But this question actually begins during the Seder itself, towards the end of the Haggadah. And if you're not sure what I mean, then you know you could just listen for the next couple of minutes and I'll explain it. But if you have a, a little inkling of what I'm talking about, it could be that you heard Pesach Panorama, where we hinted to this idea. And in fact, not only hinted to it, but we were pretty explicit about it. But to take you back just, you know, a few days ago, or it was really uh, three to four days ago, after the festive meal that we all ate of Shulchan Orech and the subsequent grace of Birchas Amazon during Borech, towards the end of the Gada, we had a portion which we argued seemed to have very little to do with the larger goal of the night as we've defined it. You know, the Sipritzias Mitzrayim, telling the story of the Exodus. And those are the portions known as Halel and Nirza. And what are they both about? Well, in these pieces of the Haggadah, we praise Hashem's wonders and we sing to Him in jubilation and hope that He accepts our service favorably. And the Halel portion is a little bit strange because it's actually the continuation from the same praises which we've begun during Magid. And we abruptly interrupted it with the, with the mitzvahs of eating the matzah, the maror, and so on and so forth. What's also strange is that the Seder seems to be already over by the point that we begin the halal portion. We've already discussed the Exodus and observed all the mitzvahs of the night. We've benched on the final piece of matzah, um, you know, the afikomen, during tzafun. So the question is why the Haggadah was organized and arranged in this strange way that we begin and then interrupt the Hallel, only to resume it at the end of the Seder, seemingly after all the action is finished. The other question is what we're trying to accomplish in the Seder from then on with what you might think of as the part two of Hallel, which is Nirza, 
you know, uh, you know, the whole night is about sleepover yes, Mitzrayim. We're supposed to speak about that until sleepover takes us. And yet we have what seems to be a distraction in Nirza, a bunch of songs, a lot of it seemingly about random topics. So maybe the question really is, what's the hidden avoda that takes us from the Seder and on towards the end of Pesach, where we find ourselves now? So in answering this question, hopefully we can try to attain a greater understanding of who authored or compiled the Haggadah. Right? This is something that we also spoke about in Pesach Panorama. We know that many of the passages that were inserted into the Haggadah are really just excerpts from the Mishnah and the Gemara. So, so meaning, meaning the passages that made it to the Haggadah are all based in Chazal. So you find in Midrash, you find in, again, Mishnahis, Gemara, and some of the poems and songs date back to the early commentators in the period of the Gonim. But we quoted Rav Simcha Bonim who taught that the original compiler, or the author, if you will, of the Haggadah, was none other than Eliyahu Hanavi. And we mentioned that he gives one clue of evidence that, that he cites, is that the rare line of Baruch HaMakom Baruch Hu, blessed is the Amun, present blessed is he, which is featured as the opening blessing to the exegetical section of the Magid portion. So that phrase, Baruch HaMakom Baruch Hu, appears frequently in Tana de Eliyahu, which is the collection of Tanaic teachings that are ascribed to the Academy of Eliyahu Anavi. Now the question is what would have been in it for Eliyahu Anavi, specifically to engage in such an undertaking? Why would he have been invested in arranging the pamphlet and guidebook that we know as the Haggadah. And additionally, if we're to entertain the suggestion that Eliyahu is the secret tour guide of the Seder night, so then we have to ask another question, and that is, why does he come so late in the night? Right? I mean, as some, you know, we believe in um, a tradition, and you don't have to believe in it because it's a pretty late tradition, but there is such a, tra- a tradition out there that just before the halal portion of the Seder, there is a widespread minog of pouring a fifth cup of wine, which we don't drink, but that's the cup known as the Kos Shalaliyahu. Different explanations are given to what this Kos Shalaliyahu is. But according to the tradition that was seemingly first reported by Rev. Um, Zelikman of, of Bingen, or Bingen, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but you can reach out to me at the database at gmail.com if you know. Rav Zelkman of Bingen or Bingen, he says that this cup is poured in anticipation of Eliyahu Anavi's arrival, perhaps as a guest appearance that he makes at this point at every Seder. But again, the question is, if Eliyahu is ultimately the one walking us through the Seder as the secret author of the Haggadah, then why does he wait till virtually the end of the Seder to even show up? Right? He's, he's, he's late for his shift. So... If you think about it, Eliyahu Hanavi is not only late for every Seder, but he's also a bit early. Right? Think back to the Real Talk Torah shir that we gave on the topic of Shabbos HaGadol. Right? Because not only is this theory or hidden tradition about Eliyahu Hanavi's involvement in the Haggadah fascinating and mystifying in its own right, but think about it. If it's true it would explain the correlation between the minhag of reciting the Haggadah on Shabbos Haggadah, which we know is the Shabbos that's prior to Pesach, 
and the special Haftarah that is read on Shabbos HaGadol, which we mentioned references the arrival of Eliyahu HaNavi. Right, the Navi Malachi states, B'Shem Hashem, Hinei Anochi Shaleach Lachem Esei Eliyahu HaNavi Lifnebo Yom Hashem HaGadol V'Hanurah. Behold, I am sending to you Elijah the prophet before the arrival of the day of Hashem, which is great and awesome. Right, um, again, I've heard B'Shem Nevudraham and the Matzah Moshe brings this down, B'Shem the Marshal, even though the Marshal rejects it, they suggest that the name Shabbos HaGadol is derived from this very verse, which again, the Haftarah, which anticipates the Yom Hashem HaGadol Ve'anorah. And if it was indeed Eliyahu Anavi who brought us the Haggadah, then with the above in mind, we can suggest that Shabbos HaGadol is actually the Shabbos that anticipates the great Nos and Devashem, the time of our redemption as it begins on Seder night. And it could be, we argued back in the Shabbos HaGadol shir, that Eliyahu brought us the Haggadah with this in mind. The manual for every Seder this connects to that which the Navi concludes, that what Eliyahu Navi is going to do when he comes. That the heart of the fathers will ultimately return onto the sons, and the heart of the sons will return to their fathers. Because it's through the Haggadah, which is related between father and son, that the hearts become reconnected. This is one of the magical features of the Seder experience, the Vihigata to Levincha, father and son. Now, what that means is that Eliyahu Hanavi apparently shows up on Shabbos Haggadol. He drops off the Haggadah on our doorstep, as it were. And then he meets us back at the end of the Seder, in the portion of Hallel. What's also interesting is this really, um, this portion of Hallel, at least part of the Hallel, is referred to as Hallel Haggadol, the Great Hallel. That's how the Gemara refers to it. And what's interesting is this also takes on the name Haggadol. So we have these two bookends, um, before Pesach and at the end of the Seder, the bookend slots that Eliyahu Hanavi appears. He appears by Haggadol, he appears by Shabbos Haggadol, and then he appears at the end by Halal Haggadol. Now the question is, where was Eliyahu in the middle? Why did he disappear for the duration of the Seder? So while we think about that question, we could consider how, besides for the Haggadah itself, there is another mitzvah that Eliyahu Navi is apparently preoccupied with, which is actually part and parcel with the Seder night, and that is the mitzvah of bris milah, otherwise um, known as the covenantal circumcision. I don't know if anyone really knows it as that, but that's what the bris milah is. We know, halachically, that a Jewish male cannot participate, or at least cannot consume from the carbon Pesach without having a bris milah. That makes the bris milah obviously another required item on Seder night. Right, so it's perhaps for these reasons that only twice in in the entire Jewish liturgy do we recite the words of Yechezkel, of Yomer Lach B'demai Yomer Lach B'demai which um, refers to the two times, by your blood you shall live, by your blood you shall live. Rashi explains, based on the Gemara, that these two bloods are a reference to the blood of the Karban Pesach and the blood of Brismila. Elio Navi happens to make an appearance at both places. And what is Eliyahu's preoccupation with Brismila? So we know at the Seder he has something that's referred to as the Kos Shel Eliyahu, we mentioned earlier. 
But according to tradition, there is also at the Brismila something referred to as the Kisei Shel Eliyahu. It's the chair or the throne of Eliyahu that we find at every Brismila ceremony. The question is, why does Eliyahu have a special seat at the scene of Brismila? So, I was machaving this is an idea that I saw in the Shemen Hamor Agadah, which is written by um, the Rav. Um, his name I don't have on me. I can get it in a second. But um, he's um, the Rav from the, the Young Israel of Williamsburg. Harav Dov Zev Weinberger. Okay, so he suggested an idea based on the principle in the Gemara that Hapesha Asr Hu Hapesha Hitir. Right? Literally, the mouth that prohibits, he's the mouth that ultimately permits. So what do we mean? The Midrash tells us that Eliyahu and Avi essentially condemned the Bnei Israel for having neglected their brismila. And Hashem really dismissed Eliyahu's condemnation of the people and assuring him that the Bnei Israel would henceforth observe the covenant and that Eliyahu would have to witness it each and every time. Thus, Eliyahu gets a front seat at every brismila, the Kisei Shel Eliyahu. We know that Eliyahu Anavi, in the Navi, I mean Melachim, he also he condemns the Bnei Israel, and Hashem says that Eliyahu Navi has the, the, the wrong idea. So we know what Eliyahu Navi did in his lifetime. Think a little bit about what Eliyahu Navi spends his afterlife doing. We know that he ascends in a fiery chariot to Shemayim, but every now and then he reappears, and we find him widely throughout Chazal coming to do miracles on behalf of Klyestrel, to be their ultimate defender. Keep this in the back of your mind for now. What emerges from everything that we've said so far is that although Leo is apparently going to be sent us before the final redemption, he actually appears at a couple of earlier points which are really preparatory stages for the Seder. He oversees every Bismillah, and he possibly guides our Seder, and he appears at the end of the Seder. And aside from the other noted connections that we drew between the Bismillah and the Pesach Seder, perhaps most fundamentally, we could suggest that each, um, you know, the Bismillah and the Karim Pesach are really the early responsibilities of the Bnei Israel in the beginning phases in our bris with Hashem. In a sense, Pesach marks the national bris meal of the Bnei Israel. So with all that in mind, we can begin to understand not only why it is that Halil is split, but what we are actually trying to accomplish during the Seder at the portions of Halil al And of course, why it is that Elio does not show up until that point. In Pesach Panorama, we cited the Abarbanel among others, who suggests that the reason why Halal is split and why Halal culminates in Halal Gadol, as opposed to the earlier portion of Halal, which is known as Halal Mitzrayim, the idea is that it's not the, the second Halal in the Seder is not addressing the exodus from Egypt, but it's actually praising God over the wonders of the final redemption to come. That's what we're looking towards when we are reciting the second part of Halal. And that is precisely when Eliyahu Navi supposedly shows up. Because although we think of the bulk of the Haggadah and the Seder experience as reliving our old redemption, which on some level it certainly is, but ultimately, it is apparently only the beginning of the true redemption experience. It's only the beginning of the Seder. 
That, that's where the action begins. But the Haggadah, as we've alluded to, it's only an instruction manual. It's a roadmap for an even larger and deeper journey towards the real Gula, the final Gula. And the Brismila, in the same vein, is our ticket to the Grand Tour. But that tour does not begin till the end of the Seder. And maybe that's why Eliyahu Navi comes late. Because he's not late. Halal Nirza is where the final Seder, the final Geula begins. And the Pesach Seder, once again, as we know it, is really just the beginning. It's a prerequisite. And the components of the Seder up until that point are just um, you know, the beginning. It's, it's, it's not the final Geula itself. And... That, that and you know so that explains why, if we've done everything correctly, Aliyahu Anavi should be able to arrive and guide us toward the final gula. So he leaves us the Haggadah and Shabbos Haggadah, and then once again says, "I'll meet you back at Halal Haggadah." Right now, let's think about where this all leaves us. What are we supposed to do and think about when the seder ends? What are we supposed to do when we move forward? I think the answer is not to linger at Halal Mitzrayim. You know, to linger at the cusp of the Egyptian exodus. But we have to build on the Seder experience and the Amuna that we've developed in the Seder experience, expanding and drawing out our Halal Haggadol. All right, we don't remain at Egypt, but at the end of Pesach, Shvishal Pesach, what are we doing? We're venturing forth towards Kriyas Yamsuf, which we know coincides with the seventh day of Pesach. Not only that, we have a spiritual growth process, which we already started giving Shiran, which is Sfirasa Omer. And we hope and pray that Hashem finishes what He had started with our Exodus from, from Mitzrayim. And that's why the second days is all about yearning for the Geula to come. And as we mentioned, for the B'nai Israel who are in Galas, on the extra eighth day of Pesach, the Baal Shem Tov actually had a custom of engaging in what is now known as the Sudas Mashiach. Right? Um, many, many people still observe the Suda. In fact, a lot of people might celebrate and have a Ne'ilah Sachag. You won't find really any source in Chazal, or even in, in earliest poskim for a Ni'ilah Sachag. The earliest origin we find for a Ni'ilah Sachag is the Sudas Mashiach uh, that the Hasidim had, you know, starting from the Baal Shem Tov, and Lubavitch still do it. There is also a, a parallel Sudas Hagra that some people have, because um, uh, for, for different reasons, the Vilna Gon, uh believed that every... Um, Kazais of matzah was a mitzvah and he would have a final meal to get in that last matzah. But the Sudas Mashiach is a meal that actually parallels the Seder of our opening night of Pesach. It actually features four cups of wine. But like the Halal Haggadah, this Sudas Mashiach is not about the Exodus that once was, but it's about the Geula that Be'ez Ras Hashem will be. And my suggestion is that ushering in that final geula is in fact the secret of Oda of the second days. And we should be zoche to that final geula with the coming of Mashiach from Herabi Amenu. Everyone should have a continued Chag HaSher V'Sameach 
and obviously a great Shabbos and wonderful second days. And of course, um, if you're going to have one, a Suddhas Mashiach that comes with the redemption itself, we should we should be able to see that final globe. We should be able to see Biaskawat Sadik, Mashiach Tzidkei Nebemeir Abiyameinu.